0: This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Habakkuk chapter 1 again. Let's pray. Father, we do... Again, thank you for your word, and Lord, as we uh, look at the passage before us, we, as always, ask for understanding. Lord, uh, may we come away from it with a a better view of you, a more accurate view of you and your sovereignty, your greatness, your power. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Um, I'm going to start reading in verse 1 again. Uh, but I'm going to read down through verse 11 this time. And like I told you this morning, this oracle, um, well, you know, given to Habakkuk and experienced by him and uh, authored by him, uh, is in the form of a dialogue. So it's different in, in that sense. Uh, instead of just God speaking through, you know, thus saith the Lord, and he's speaking to the people, God speaking through him. Um, Here he is dialoguing with with God, and and it's being recorded. And and then in chapter 3, he's offering up a a song of praise. So, verse 1, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me, there is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Look among the nations and watch. Now, I probably should stop and tell you real quick that this is, if your Bible may indicate this, you know, they may have put this note in there, but this is the Lord speaking now. Uh, in answer to what Habakkuk has said. Verse 5. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment... And their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing this power to his God. Okay, as, as we mentioned this morning, verses 1 through 4, um, Habakkuk is complaining. This This is a complaint to the Lord in the form of a question. He's basically saying... How can you allow this evil to be? And, and he asks the question, how long shall I cry? He's, he, he's uh, indicating that he is crying out to the Lord. He's crying out uh, to the Lord concerning what's going on. Violence, he says. I cry violence to you, and you will not save. He, he's, he's saying, Lord, you're not doing anything about what's going on. Our, our uh, culture, our, our society is corrupt politically, socially. Um, Religiously, false religion abounds. People have forsaken the law. Uh, And and again, even uh, politically speaking and legally speaking, uh, the law has been forsaken. And so there is no justice. And corruption abounds. He says, why do you show me iniquity? That is lawlessness. Why do you cause me to see trouble? Again, he's asking, why don't you stop this? He, he, He acknowledges this, that God could stop it if, if he desired to. And that's why he's complaining. That's why, he, uh, that's why he's complaining to the Lord. Because he knows God could put an end to it. So, uh, logically then, he's, he's saying, you're, you're causing me to see this. You're showing this trouble to me. Why are you doing it? Why do you show me iniquity? Why do you cause me to see trouble? Plundering and violence are before me. See them in uh, the society and the people around me. The strife and contention. The law is powerless. Probably a reference to the uh, the law of God, uh, because this is, he's, he's complaining here about the wickedness of the people of Israel. So he's saying the, the law is, is, uh, is not having the effect that it's intended to have. No, Nobody is heeding the law. Nobody's attentive to it. So it is powerless, and justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. Like we said this morning, we're, we're outnumbered, Habakkuk is saying. And therefore, wickedness uh, controls the day, and perverse judgment proceeds. So he's complaining about the wickedness of the wicked and the fact that the righteous have to Endure it. Two sides of the same coin. In other words, the, the wicked are uh, perpetrating these acts and they're not being judged for it, Habakkuk thinks. And the flip side of the coin is that the righteous are suffering because the wicked are being allowed to do this. So, so you've got injustice in that the wicked are not being judged and injustice in that the righteous suffer. Because the wicked are not, are not being judged. Now comes the Lord's reply to Habakkuk's complaint. Look among the nations and watch. As one commentator said, so uh, Habakkuk says to the Lord, look at this. And the Lord says to Habakkuk, look at that. And he's he's going to show him a bit of the bigger picture. Um, Habakkuk's main concern here is his people, the nation of Israel, the corruption that's going on within the nation of Israel, and the fact that, as far as he can tell, nobody's being held accountable for it. There's no judgment. So the Lord now answers... Um, but in a different way that Habakkuk expects, no doubt. Because it's just like when we pray for something, you're, you're asking for God to do something. And he may come back and say, I am doing something, but I'm just not doing what you want me to do. And I'm just not doing it the way you want me to do it. And I'm not doing it in your... Time frame, but I'm not idle. I am doing something, and I think, uh, well, that's kind of, kind of the key message here. The Lord is is giving to Habakkuk. I am doing something now. Trust me. Trust me. Now that's will come out as we go on in the book, but mainly right right here, he's he's just declaring. Uh, I am doing something. And this is a grace, by the way. God doesn't have to answer our complaints. And uh, He doesn't have to explain what He's doing, not even to His prophets. But uh, in mercy, uh, He often does. So He says, in response, look among the nations and watch. Now, wait a minute, Habakkuk's talking about Israel. One nation, one people. That's true. They they are not only suffering due to the violence, the corruption within. They're also being threatened on a regular basis. So it's not that the other nations are irrelevant, uh, but his concern, Habakkuk's concern, seems to mainly be with the fact that they are giving in to um, the evil in the world. They're participating in it. So they've got evil happening within, corruption in their own society, in their own culture. And from the outside, they are under constant threat. Um, Necho, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, um, the Assyrian army, now uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans, uh, also known as the Babylonians. So they're under this constant threat from without and the threat of Sin from within. But the Lord says, look out there. Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work. Now, here it is. He's saying, I am doing something. I am doing something. You're just missing it. I'm, I'm not doing what you were expecting, but I am doing something. I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because he's, he's telling him here. <laughs> if, if it were told you, you would not believe it. And yet, he's, he's telling him and he's commanding him, essentially. Uh, the implication is, uh, believe it. Believe it. And it's interesting, Paul uses this passage. and uh, well, well, let me say this first. I, because, again, this is key in the book. The idea is, trust God. Trust what He is doing. So, that's why when you get over into chapter 4... Uh, chapter 2, verse 4, he says, The righteous lives by his faith. That is, he trusts God. That's what the book of Habakkuk is calling for. That we trust God. That's what the whole Bible is calling for. The righteous lives by his faith. He trusts God. Now, uh, I think... Uh, well hold your place here and turn over to acts 13 I think this will bear that out um, it's interesting Paul quotes that verse verse 5 but seems to apply it um, in a, in a total different way I and mean, it's almost you know, we we would almost, we weren't careful, we had almost accused Paul of pulling a verse out of context here <laughs> and using it to make his point. Um, but actually, I think the principle is the same. And certainly, Paul did not misuse the verse. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit here speaking. But here Paul is preaching the gospel in Acts 13 at uh, Pisidian Antioch. And come down to verse 38. And this, this whole sermon, by the way, is, is, uh, is awesome. Uh, if, if, you, if, if you read this sermon that Paul preaches and, and, and just take in how God centered it is, he is constantly, kind of runs through a little bit of the history of Israel, and he's constantly saying, God did it, God did it, God did it, God did it, <laughs> God did it. Um, and then he comes to his main point, that God raised up Jesus from the dead as our uh, Savior. Verse 38, Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, Paul is speaking to Jews here, that, th- that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. That sounds pretty similar to the whole message of the book of Hebrews, doesn't it? Through Jesus Christ, you are justified from from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law of Moses, the Levitical priesthood, is not capable of removing your sin. But it's done through faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul is telling these Jews... This is what God is doing. He's raised up Christ from the dead, and you have forgiveness of sins through Him if you believe on Him. Now, verse 40, Paul gives them a warning. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. So he takes them, he points them to their own Scripture, the Old Testament, specifically to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 5. And Paul says, Beware, lest what was spoken here in Habakkuk 1.5 comes upon you. And then he quotes that verse. Behold, verse 41 here. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. So it's quoting from Habakkuk. God's saying, I, I, I'm going to do something that though you hear it, you won't believe it. And Paul says, beware, brothers, lest this be true of you, lest this come upon you, this um, oracle of woe for your unbelief. Beware of this. Now, Paul is here applying it to what God is doing in Christ. That's interesting, isn't it? God raised Him from the dead, and it's it's through Him that we have forgiveness of sins. Verse thirty-eight. It's through Him that you're justified from all things by which you could not, uh, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Verse thirty-nine. Paul's saying this is what God is doing. Now he calls for them to believe it. By pointing them to the oracle of Habakkuk as a warning, saying, Brothers, don't let this be true of you. For I work a work in your days, which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. And Paul is declaring it to them, isn't he? He's declaring the gospel to them. And he's saying, Now, believe it. Believe it. Don't let this passage, Habakkuk one five be true of you. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Paul uses that verse from Habakkuk. Here in Habakkuk, the Lord is talking about bringing the Chaldeans on the land of Israel as judgment. We'll see that in a moment as we read the rest of it. But that's what he's saying. Habakkuk's crying out, there's no judgment. Corruption abounds and there's no judgment. And the Lord is saying... No, judgment is coming. I'm doing a work, and you're, you're not going to believe how I'm doing it. I'm going to bring a people more wicked than you to bring judgment on you. You meaning, the, the, not Habakkuk necessarily, but, but, the, but the, uh, the people of Israel. And that's what he's saying. Seems Incredible. Though it's declared to you, you won't believe it. And Paul uses that very passage talking about the gospel. Though it's declared to you, you won't believe it. Why? Because it's, it's not what you expected. You, you wanted a deliverance, just like Habakkuk. You've cried out for deliverance. You've looked for the coming of the Messiah. You've desired His coming. Now, God has, is doing a work in your day, but you won't believe it. Because it's not happening the way that you thought it should happen. God's doing something uh, different than what you anticipated. Now, let's go back to Habakkuk So, So what is Paul saying in Acts 13? Bottom line. He's asking them... By using this verse as a warning, Paul is, is asking those Jews to believe. Asking is a nice way of putting it, because really, <laughs> really, he, he's saying this is what God's doing. You, you, you must believe it. Don't let this be true of you that you won't believe it. So he's calling for faith. Paul is using this verse to provoke faith. In the Jews of his day, well, even though there's you've got different objects of the saying here, it's 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 applied in a different way. It it has that same purpose here. God is saying this to Habakkuk, calling for our faith. I mean, he says, though it's declared to you, you won't believe it. That is, it just it just seems incredible. It seems unbelievable. But actually, what he's doing is saying to him, this is what I am doing. You need to believe it. You, you need to trust me. It, it, it's, it seems incredible, again, because it's not what you expected. It's not coming. This judgment is not coming the way in which you thought it should come, but it's coming. As a matter of fact, and here, here's one of the things that um, makes it difficult to swallow... More than likely, what Habakkuk is really looking for here is revival. He's asking, he's crying out, Lord, why are you showing me this violence and this corruption, this strife and contentions? Lord, why am I being exposed to all of this? Send revival. Make the people do right. Now, no doubt he wanted uh, a certain amount of judgment on the wicked, but overall the the nation what what he would want is for them to turn back to god, get get rid of those who are who are causing uh, perpetrating all of these wicked things, get those out of power. Who have no interest in the Lord, and let the whole nation get back to doing what is right. And so the Lord says, "Well, I am doing something, but it's not what you're not what you're looking for. In fact, you're, you're going to find it quite unbelievable." Again, verse five. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth. Now, let me, let me say something. I may mention this morning. Uh, here, here is a. Declaration of God's sovereignty. I, the Lord says, verse 6, for indeed I am raising. Again, verse 5, he says, I will work a work in your days. Verse 6, I am raising up the Chaldeans. He raises up nations. He brings them down. He raises up kings. He brings them down. He's sovereign over all, not just over the land of Israel, sovereign over all nations. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, uh, verse 20 and 21. Daniel is praying and says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up Kings. Then just a little bit later, uh, as he interprets uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he says to Nebuchadnezzar in verse 37, You, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Now remember, this is a pagan king. (laughs) An unbeliever. And this is the same king... Uh, that Habakkuk will be referencing, God will be referencing, when he's talking about bringing judgment on the nation of Israel, he's talking about through the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. And again, in verse 6, Habakkuk 1.6, For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans. And Nebuchadnezzar uh, was leading that charge. His father uh, first was uh, king of Babylon and then Upon his death, Nebuchadnezzar took the throne. But even when his father was alive, Nebuchadnezzar was out uh, fighting, winning the battles. He conquered Necho, always like that name Necho, king of Egypt, Pharaoh. Um, he conquered the Assyrians, and eventually he sacked Jerusalem. The Lord raises up kings to fulfill His purpose. He raises up nations to fulfill His purpose. Now, He goes on to say, again, I'm back in Habakkuk 1. Concerning the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, uh, same thing. Verse 7, they are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards, more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings. And princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. That is, they, they would build mounds up against the, the fortresses, up against the walls, and then literally just uh, walk over into, into the city and take it. So, Habakkuk is crying for judgment. He's saying, "God, our society, our culture, is corrupt, and it's it's affecting me." He said, "He says you're 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 making me see this. You're making me see this iniquity, this trouble. You're making me endure it. Why, why do you tolerate it? Why do you allow it to be? Why don't you do something?" Is the idea, and the Lord says, I, I am doing something, but it's." Probably not at all like you expect. I'm bringing in a nation more wicked than your own nation to bring judgment upon this land. And they're merciless. Now, now you can see why Habakkuk, Nahum, um, Jeremiah were not popular preachers of their day because, in the sense of, you know, being liked, because this was the message that they had to carry to the people. National pride is, is not exclusive to us. I mean, most, most nations uh, are that way, and, and nobody wants to hear that they're about to... Uh, about to be defeated. Uh, thinking of national pride. I heard a, a survey you, you, when all this soccer stuff was going on. They they had uh, taken a survey and it was like 80 percent of the people in Russia, and they just did a poll on the street, said yes, our team is going to win the World Cup. In the survey, problem was they weren't even in the competition. They they uh, they didn't qualify. <laughs> But but national problem. And the people just assumed they did when they were asked the question. Oh, yes, and we're going to win. You know. Uh, And they had not even qualified for the competition. And here's Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Nahum, all giving this message. This, This nation's going down, and God's Behind it, he's going to do it. He's going to bring in. I uh, think about you know, just kind of like put yourself in their mindset. Think about how how repugnant this would be. God is going to bring in a people more unrighteous than us, and he's going to he's going to bring judgment. He's going to use them as a as a tool, as an instrument to bring judgment on our. Nation, not a popular message, and if you've read Jeremiah, you know he he suffered much persecution for preaching that message. And yet, here's the main thing: through it all, this this is what God is calling for in Habakkuk, and He was calling for this with all the people, but they didn't. Uh, you know, they refused. Through it all, God is saying, "Trust me." Just, just trust me, I'm going to do something that uh, will seem outrageous to you. And, and he tells them, be astounded, be utterly astounded. <laughs> because I'm going to do something that when you're told you won't believe, it's so outrageous to you in your mind. But trust me, because I know what I'm doing. And what I'm doing is, is Right. Well, we can sit here in, in the 21st century and look back and we can read the Old Testament and we, we know what uh, the nation of Israel was like, don't we? All their rebellion. And then we come to Habakkuk and Jeremiah and, and we see, oh yes, this, I, can, I can see why this is, this is righteous, why this is just, and I can understand to a degree what God was doing. Um, But for them, it it just sounded like the furthest thing from reality. God's own people would be destroyed by pagan countries like the Chaldeans. Yet God is saying, trust me. Jeremiah, the the whole message, that's what what he was saying. Jeremiah was saying, look, if you resist, you're going to die. If you flee to Egypt, you're going to die in Egypt. If you fight, think about that. He's telling them, if you fight, if you fight the enemy, you're going to die in battle. But if you'll submit to this and let the Chaldeans take you into captivity. Think about that. Imagine being told that. If you'll submit to this, if you'll let. The Babylonians take you away, then God is going to prosper you in Babylon. And God is saying, Trust me, trust me. You you deserve judgment, and I'm gonna bring it. But if you'll even now, if you'll submit and go along with it, I'm gonna bless you. The nation's gonna be no more. And, and by the way, this, this was, it was 597 BC, almost 600 years before Christ, when the Jews were carried away into Babylon and was no more a sovereign nation until 1948. That's why they're becoming a nation in 1948 such a huge. Huge thing. 2,000 years of being out of their homeland and wandering in strange lands. So God is just calling for trust. He's telling Habakkuk, I'm going to do something that will astound you. It's not what you're expecting. But here's the thing. And I have to jump ahead again just for a moment. Here's, Here's the thing. The just shall live by his faith. That is, circumstances don't have to be what, in my mind, I think they ought to be, if if I trust God. God knows what He's doing. And so, if He brings calamity on the land, I trust Him. If He brings prosperity on the land, I trust Him. That's what He's calling for. The just shall live by faith. Chapter 2, verse 4. That's exactly, and that's why Paul used this passage in preaching the gospel, because he's saying the same thing there. You don't understand what God is doing. I know this is not what you're looking for. I know this is not your idea of a Messiah. You know, He, he comes, uh, born like a commoner, born in a feed trough, and raised up in a town that has no particular significance and... Then he's crucified. He dies the death of a criminal. But God is doing something in your day, Paul says, that you would be wise to believe. Trust God, because this is God's work. He's working a work in your day. It should be believed now one one more thing before we close here. <clears throat> Habakkuk's got uh, no doubt, and I say we don't know much about him uh, but no doubt a a a being called a, a prophet of God, he no doubt he has a history with God, somewhat like Abraham. And all I mean by that is this. He he knows something about God's character. He knows something about God's trustworthiness. He knows something about God's uh, righteousness, His justness. Now, I don't think you can really, really trust somebody that you don't know. So when Paul speaks to the Jews about the gospel and um, they refuse to believe, anyone else as well, um, they refuse to believe, it's because they don't know God. When Jeremiah preached to the same people in this day, same time Habakkuk was living, and exhorted them to... Submit to what God was doing. Uh, They refused because they didn't really know God. And they were insisting upon their own will being done. Of course, in the end, it was exactly as the Lord said. Those who fled to Egypt died in Egypt. Those who fought, the Chaldeans died in battle. Those who submitted and went. To Babylon, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, um, God prospered in a strange land. Now, one thing by way of application here, and then we're done. I quoted this morning, John 16:33. Jesus said, In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. There, there, there's a, there's a, a parallel, I would say, to the Jews in Babylon. What I'm saying is this. We, we're going to have trouble in this world, and it's not necessarily judgment. Now, I'm not saying that God is judging His own people by bringing some evil thing on them. Yet, in His wisdom, He does allow us to go through things. He does put us through things that will um, strengthen us. Uh, as he, the writer of Hebrews says, so that we may partake of His holiness. He, he trains us. so. Like Habakkuk, and remember, Habakkuk's not in rebellion here. Now, God's bringing judgment on the people of Israel for their rebellion. But Habakkuk's not in rebellion. Daniel wasn't in rebellion. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't in rebellion. Jeremiah wasn't in rebellion. He suffered much. And yet, they had to endure some incredible hardships in this world. And so, again, the message for them and for us was, trust God. Trust God. Because as long as you trust Him, as long as you live by faith, He will prosper you in this strange land. Now, I don't mean prosper in the sense of much money and comfort and all that. That, He may not do that. And that's exactly what this book is saying. Exactly what Habakkuk says at the end of it. I may not have any of those things, but I will joy, I will rejoice in the Lord. So he's just saying, trust me. Things happen different than we expect. We look around, we see wrong, we see injustice, corruption in the culture. And we cry out sometimes like Habakkuk, Lord, how long, how long, how long? And the answer, basically, is I'm in control. Trust me. The just shall live by his faith. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word and for these precious examples that you've uh, given us. And people like Habakkuk, Jeremiah, so many, Lord David, Abraham walking through a strange land, uh, trusting in you. Lord, we uh, see examples that uh, it can be done by your grace. And we ask for that empowerment. Whatever we face in this world, whether uh, it's it's the uh, decline of, our society, whether it's uh, persecution directed uh, at at us specifically and individually, whatever it might be, Lord, uh, we know that behind it all, you're in control. We pray that you you help us keep that forefront of our minds and have the same mindset that Habakkuk has here, that whatever comes our way, we will rejoice in you because you are our strength. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana.